Thank you for joining us for episode 362 of Live Happy Now. We all want to live longer, healthier lives. And if we can get younger while doing it, well then, all the better. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald joins us to talk about her new book, Younger You, Reduce Your Bio-Age and Live Longer Better. Kara is one of the leading experts looking at the intersection of nutrition, epigenetics, and aging, and she's here to talk about what her research teaches us on how to not only become healthier, but to actually reduce our biological age from the inside out. Let's find out how. Kara, welcome to Live Happy Now. It is such a delight to be with you today, Paula. Well, you have no idea how much time I've spent with you since I received your book. It's really funny because every year my partner and I are like, okay, so what are our health goals for this year? What are we going to do to up our game? We were kind of stumped because it's like we got things pretty clean at this point. And then your book arrived. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we can take it to the next level. So this book is absolutely incredible. I really have to say it's such a wonderful roadmap to get us through our next years. Oh, I am so thrilled to hear that. I am just really tickled. Yeah, I couldn't ask for more. I think we can all mine some of this new knowledge that we're learning. Yeah. And what's so wonderful about this book is no matter where you're at in this, you're going to see a difference. Because even if you're, if you have a horrible diet and you're not exercising, you're not doing any of those things, you're going to see really dramatic results. But even for us who we live a pretty clean life, we exercise regularly. We've seen a difference by implementing some new things that are mentioned in your book. Yeah, I know. That's one of the cool things about conducting this in a healthy population. I mean, we, our findings were identified in people whose baseline was very healthy. I mean, it took us a while to recruit our study population for that reason. So they were healthy at baseline and we got them healthier. That's to me is just extraordinary. And I agree with you from my clinic experience, definitely people who aren't doing as well respond to this and they can come miles. But yes, there's something they're in for those of us who are on a health journey already, I think. What's so great is that you make it easy I guess you make it normal because there's so many expectations when we're going to make lifestyle changes and people come back and say, I can't do all that. And you're very honest, like with the alcohol thing. It's like, okay, I know it's a big ask, so I'm not telling you to throw away all your booze. (laughs) You know, it's you give us baby steps. And I think that's something I really appreciate about this book, too, is that you meet us where we're at. Yes, there's many entry points into this conversation. and we have a, what we call an epinutrient, and I know we'll get into definitions, but we've got an epinutrient appendix. These are nutrients, you know, we'll get into this, I think a little bit more deeply, but they're nutrients that regulate gene expression. And that whole field of science is called epigenetics. So these are epinutrients because they're involved in epigenetics and they help optimize epigenetic expression. And so we created this massive appendix based on the literature, you know, at the time of the writing, which was up until late last year. And it's packed. It's packed with all of these nutrients. Anyone can go in there and look through these 30 pages with a felt tip highlighter and highlight a lot of things they're already eating. And they can highlight a lot of things that they're willing to eat. So Mm -hmm. even the most timid 
to get on this journey can start in the nutrient appendix and say, all right, yeah, I'm willing to eat that. Okay. I'll use that seasoning, you know, and they can just (laughs) stick their toe in that way. Yeah. I think the last couple of years, we have not gotten healthier as Mm -hmm. a whole. You know, people have resorted to eating things that we know aren't good for us. I personally know a lot of friends who are trying to come back from that. And this book is such, whether you're doing it for the youthful properties or just because your doctor is like, hey, you got to do something here. This book is a really easy way to get back on track. Yeah, that's right. I think so. Yeah, And we know, hopefully we're coming to the other side of the pandemic or at least a new relationship with COVID. And yes, so a lot of us need to get back on track, but you know, it's almost like the COVID-15, you know, like the Mm -hmm. freshman 15 in college. And and we do. And the other piece is that this builds resilience. And we know people who struggled with COVID tended to have underlying biological age that was, you know, older than their chronological age. And so, you know, this is another piece that can help with that. So it'll help with, you know, infectious diseases among other things. Yeah. And let's talk about that. You brought up biological age. Can you talk about what you mean when you say biological age and then explain how that's different than our chronological age? Yeah, sure. So your chronological age is just the number of birthdays you've celebrated and you can't do anything about that. Try as you might. Can we I'd lie? Like to, Cause I you, lie about yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. You, well, you certainly can. You can. I mean, I love to joke about my sister being 29 again for the last <laughs> number of decades. So yeah, you can lie about it, but really deep down, you can't do anything about it. However, our biological age is how fast we're aging. And that extraordinarily enough is something that science is starting to say we've got some control over how fast we're aging biologically, how fast our body is physically moving towards an older place. And we can get in there and slow it down. I mean, those were the rather profound and exciting findings in our study that we were able to demonstrate a biological age reversal in our participants by over three years as compared to the control group. One of the reasons you know, biological age is something that will be on the front of all of our brains that'll be sitting there right in the prefrontal cortex. And you'll hear more and more news about it because we can measure biological age. Whereas before we really didn't have a reliable yardstick for bio age, but we do now. And that's by looking at gene expression. So circling back to the field of epigenetics. And that's what we used in our study, which we can, of course, talk about more. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk more about that. But (laughs) yeah, when you say reversing your biological age by three years, what exactly does that mean? Because people might be like, I'm going to look like I did three years ago. But you know, so what exactly is it? What changes and what indicators are there that you're reversing that biological age? Yeah, I think that's kind of funny. I don't know that I looked that different three years ago. So I don't know <laughs> if reversing my bio age would be a huge deal if it were just, you know, physical appearance. So we measure biological age by looking at gene expression and gene expression and specifically, so this is the field of epigenetics and there is a type of epigenetic expression called DNA methylation. So this is the biochemical change happening on the top of our genetic material. So on the top of our DNA, there's biochemical changes that influence whether a gene is on or off. And there's amazing tools that by looking at DNA methylation patterns, we can very reliably identify the age of an individual, be them in utero. So be a fetus, you know, which would be age zero or negative age because they're not yet born up until 
you know, centenarians to the oldest living individuals. And through our lifespan, this gene expression changes predictably. And that's why we're able to see how old a person is. But the person's DNA methylation age, their bio age, doesn't move completely in sync with their chronological age. It can move faster depending on their health if it's poor or slower if they're taking really good care of themselves. So our study looked at middle-aged men between the ages of 50 and 72, and we tested their baseline biological age. And then after we administered our program, we tested them again. So our program was eight weeks long. And their DNA expression, the genes that were on the pattern of gene expression was that of an individual three years younger. So their gene expression patterns were changed significantly as compared to our control group. And then what kind of changes would they notice, like in how they feel? How does it affect their That's performance a good. and what they're doing? Well, now remember that these guys were already healthy. So right. certainly in our practice, we see people's inflammatory markers drop. We see, you know, if they've got joint pain, we can see improvement there. We can see lipids change, blood sugar change, et cetera. A lot of the usual biomarkers of health will see beneficial changes with this program. In our study participants, a lot of them liked what they were doing and they felt good. Energy wasn't poor in this group, but there was a trend towards better energy. There was a trend towards better mood. Their blood fat, their triglycerides dropped considerably. Their so-called bad cholesterol and total cholesterol dropped a little bit. Their circulating folate increased significantly, even though we didn't provide them with a B vitamin. So I would say that, you know, there are basic biomarkers that showed improvement. I don't know that there was anything remarkable in this population because they started healthy. I mean, if we were looking in a diabetic population, obviously we would see improvements markedly in blood sugar and we would see improvements in A1C and so on and so forth. And we'd probably see weight loss. We saw a weight loss in a handful of participants, but it didn't reach significance because the participants in general didn't need to lose weight. So that's the difference when you start with a healthy population, not that much research is conducted in healthy individuals. We tend to look at people who have an ailment. And so you Mm -hmm. expect to see these big sort of aha changes. And I will say people who have a condition like diabetes, for example, are accelerated in their biological age. So diabetics tend to be six to nine years older than their healthy counterparts. Yeah. And so if we had looked in a diabetic population, there's a chance we would have even seen, you know, more pronounced bioage reversal. But for these guys who are doing well at baseline, the suggestion of our findings is that we've given them a few more healthy years. And that's what everybody wants. It's not just a long life. We want that healthy, happy life. That's right. We want a health span commensurate with our lifespan. You know, by our early 60s in this country, most of us have two chronic illnesses. Like, so let me actually just back up and talk about aging being the biggest risk factor for, you know, most, if not all, chronic diseases. So even when you're healthy, and this will help answer your question, even when you're healthy, Because we're aging, changes to gene expression makes us vulnerable towards the chronic diseases of aging. And the big ones are cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, dementia. So 
just the aging journey can increase risk for these standard diseases of aging. And when we look at gene expression and an aging on an older individual, as compared to say cancer, the epigenetic changes in an individual who has cancer, there are some shared changes and they're changes we don't want. So arguably we want to fight the trajectory of aging. We want to fight the patterns that occur on the normal aging journey and keep ourselves as biologically young as possible for as long as possible so that we have a lifespan and a health span that walk in lockstep together. Yeah, that is so well said. And we sometimes forget that. I think we forgot it a lot in the last couple of years where people are just, you know, into self-care and triaging everything and not really looking at how is this going to contribute to a long, healthy life. The book gives us so many ways that we can improve our health. And what I want to talk about for a minute is you say it's not just genetics that affect our age and health, but epigenetics. So I know we can geek out on the science of this a little bit, but can you tell us what that means? What is the difference between genetics and our epigenetics and how that affects us? Yeah. So our genetic material is our DNA. You know, we were born with a certain, you know, we inherited DNA from mom and dad and there's nothing we can do about it. We're not changing the DNA that we were born with, but epigenetics is the operating system that regulates whether that DNA is on or not. Epigenetics, so epi above genetics genes or DNA. So it sits above the DNA and it just decides this gene is on, this gene is off, this gene, you know, is a little bit on, this gene's full force on, and it regulates that. And the epigenetic interface is influenced by us, by how we live, by how we eat, how we feel, how we, you know, move our bodies or not, how we sleep. So it's the operating system of our genetic material, and it really dictates our fate. Once upon a time, we thought that our DNA dictated our fate. And in all but the most significant genetic conditions, we're in the driver's seat of whether we're healthy or not. We're really sitting in the driver's seat. And the science of epigenetics is both a promise, but also a huge responsibility. We're sitting in this driver's seat of whether again, you know, we live a good life or not. I think that is so exciting that you say that because we hear it a lot where people are like, well, this is hereditary. I have it a lot in my family. I'm one of six kids. And there are many conditions that the other five have that have escaped. And they're like, well, that's just because they ran out of it by the time you were born. And it's like, well, my fruit and vegetables might have had something to do with it. I don't know. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You made some different choices. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. This is so exciting. How then can people take that? I mean, I love it. It just seems so empowering where you say, yes, puts us in the driver's seat. So how do we use that knowledge? It's extremely empowering that we're in the driver's seat. For some people, though, it's going to stink. It's going to be like a bucket of water, you know, bucket (laughs) of ice water over their heads. Like, no, you can't just blame your parents or your grandparents. You know, it's just, it's simply not true. If you've got these chronic diseases of aging, you played a significant role in developing them. And obviously we need to have compassion, of course, for all of us. And, you know, there's a big learning curve here. So in our study, you know, we designed it to specifically speak to the operating system, to speak to our epigenetics. We brought together things that we had read in the literature 
were beneficial for optimizing epigenetics. And again, the very specific mark that we're concerned with, the very specific epigenetic process that we're concerned with is called DNA methylation. So we wanted to optimize DNA methylation so that you don't sort of disintegrate your operating system doesn't disintegrate in that predictable pattern that happens with age. For instance, as we age, our risk increases exponentially for cancer, for diabetes, for cardiovascular disease, for dementia. And in cancer, the tumor microenvironment, so the tumor itself is able to take over genetic expression and it can shut down genes that protect us from cancer. So cancer itself takes over the operating system and starts running programs for its own survival, not for us. (laughs) And in that way, cancer moves forward. As we age, some of those same changes take place. I mean, it sucks. And that is a big reason why cancer is such a huge risk factor as we age. And so there's a specific type of a gene called a tumor suppressor gene. And those, you know, surveil and keep us cancer-free, these tumor suppressors. They do just as they're described. They suppress tumor development. But as we age, we start turning those genes off. You know, and why? <laughs> like, why is that something this? we can prevent? So is it well, that's the thing. So this is a key example of this program we suspect helps with that. We're actually still analyzing the results on how we influence tumor suppressor genes. I know that we improved expression of some of them and we'll continue to research and publish on it. But yes, so we know that these, we call them all epinutrients, but there's a category of epinutrients that we call methylation adaptogens. These include well-known nutrients like green tea or curcumin or quercetin, the compounds in blueberries, tomatoes, luteolin, the sulforaphane or diendolmethane in cruciferous veggies, and on and on. There's so many of these nutrients, rosmarinic acid and rosemary. These nutrients, resveratrol in grapes and others, other foods, these nutrients turn these tumor suppressor genes back on. That's what they've been shown to do. It's actually so cool, Paula. I created a table in the book looking at tumor suppressor genes and what nutrients turn them back on. And so again, I just want to say, this is a gene that gets turned off in cancer. When cancer takes over our operating system, it will turn these guys off routinely. It happens really in almost, I'm not aware of any cancer. It doesn't happen and it'll shut them down. And then we can see that these nutrients are able to support re-expression of these genes. So it's so important. I actually as I said, created a table. And then there's a nutrient appendix in the back that's just packed with these important nutrients. And then exercise, amazingly enough. So we prescribed, you know, a a fairly basic exercise program for our study participants, 30 minutes, five days a week at a perceived exertion of 60 to 80% of max. So you know, you're breathing a little bit heavier, you might be sweating a little bit heavier, but you can still carry on a conversation with your friend on the phone or whoever you might be walking with. You can do whatever you want. You could garden. My mom's a big gardener. You can ride your bike like I'm interested in, et cetera. Just, you can do whatever you want just for 30 minutes, a minimum of 30 minutes, five days a week. Exercise turns those tumor suppressor genes back on. It acts like a leafy green. (laughs) Isn't that cool? It's so cool. And, you know, the other thing that I love about it is that exercise works its magic even more so the older we are. So if you say I'm too old to exercise or blah, 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 that's completely wrong. Now it's so wrong. You'll actually get more bang for your exercise buck 
And they think that most of the exercise benefits, this was in a study published not too long ago, are exerted by changing epigenetics, by working at the level of the operating system. <laughs> so isn't that yeah, cool? It, it is. And there's so many things, you know, the things in your book, it's not new in the sense that we've been told we need to exercise. How about yep. relaxation, meditation, but you yep. give it a whole different perspective of it's not just something my doctor told me I should do. It's, oh my gosh, if I do this, then this can happen. And yeah. it's, it really becomes very exciting. And Isn't it neat? Yeah. <laughs> so glad. I just really appreciate your, yeah, you, you got from it. Really what I wanted people to get is that, yep, we've known time immemorial, these things are important. Well, here's why. And it's because we can start to look at that operating system. We can see what's happening at the level of gene expression. And we can see how hugely important these are. If we want to live a longer, healthier life, we have got to take these things seriously. You know, and the thing is, we want to do the best we can to cultivate habits that stick with us. And I'll say, that if you're not an exerciser and you go out and do one activity, you go for a walk or whatever, if you could measure your gene expression, if you could measure epigenetics, you would see even after that one walk, some beneficial changes, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. But the more that you do it, the more the genes change you know, with each cell division, you know, just the more that you do something, they'll spread through the DNA, you know, really like wildfire over time. So it's the cultivation of habits that will really yield the most benefit. And we can see in other studies, looking at the benefits of exercise for longevity and for, you know, beneficial epigenetics. And as far as what we talk about at Live Happy, we're constantly talking about, yes, getting out, taking a walk in nature, talking about the emotional benefits and the mental health aspects of that. Yes. So you're feeding into several different advantageous points that all work together. They're just anti-aging. It's extraordinary. I want to say that something that stood out to me profoundly was the whole stress response on aging. It's like gasoline on the fire of aging. Stress just gasoline. You're pouring it on the fire. It's such a pro-aging phenomena this stress. And we've all been under tremendous amounts of it. So that's the bad news. It really is the bad news. We can see it on biological age, it pushing the clock forward. It's extraordinary to me. You know, as a really busy working mom, you know, running a business, burning the candle at three ends, as I heard somebody <laughs> say recently, this science is solid and the damage of stress. So Yes, it's damaging to us. It's unequivocal. The science is there. We can see that it's even heritable. So, you know, we can pass this on to our kids or, you know, we can inherit it from our parents, our grandparents, et cetera. This change to the epigenetic expression from stress and we can do something about it in the here and now. We can do something about it. And that's really what I want to say. And that's why we incorporated meditation in our program because meditation, just like exercise, if you meditate just once and you suck at it because who's good at meditation, <laughs> right? After one try, they actually can report beneficial changes. But again, if you continue to meditate, you can become biologically younger. People who are practiced meditators are biologically younger. They change their gene expression. It's extraordinary. So you can combat the influence of 
stress by practicing meditation. And it's just the science is just so solid on it that we just needed to incorporate it. So yeah, to your point in living happy, no doubt about it. If we could have incorporated cuddling in our study, I don't know how we would have controlled for it. This was a randomized controlled trial. So we would have needed to keep our control group from cuddling. <laughs> I don't, we wouldn't have, isn't that hilarious? No hugging. Don't pet your dog for eight weeks. We wouldn't have been able to do it. But would have we, dropped out. But we know that it's beneficial for those, you know, those really amazing hormones like oxytocin and serotonin and the other feel good hormones. Yeah, this is all so remarkable. We're going to tell people how they can follow you. You've got a great Instagram account. You do wonderful videos. It's kind of like getting your own little session. (laughs) That's awesome. But where then do people start making changes? If they're listening, baby steps, what are the first couple of things that they can do to just start this process? Yeah. So I would love for people to, you know, get some berries. You probably already love them. So, you know, Mm -hmm. have yourself, try to have some berries every day, maybe use a little rosemary, add it, use it a little more frequently. You know, maybe you pull rosemary out at Thanksgiving or whatever, but, you know, add a little to your water or pop a little bit on your salad. Rosemary has rosemarinic acid and blueberries have lots of great things in them. You know, have a curry. If you like curry, enjoy a curry tonight. Those are some basic ways we can incorporate nutrients. And listen, eggs are great. Eggs have a nutrient called choline. Choline is incredibly helpful for methylation. And another important nutrient, if your folks are interested in trying it, is beets. You know, we're Mm. bringing back beets. Beets are good for you. You don't have to go crazy with beets. You have, you know, maybe one or two small beets a day. Kara, you have given us such a gift because you really have given us a map to move forward while reversing our age. And I really, I appreciate this book and thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me about it. Absolutely. Just really lovely to be with you, Paula. That was Dr. Kara Fitzgerald, author of Younger You, Reduce Your Bioage and Live Longer Better. If you'd like to learn more about her book or follow her on social media, visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.